Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my co-host Jordan Watkins at Big 75 Fellow for a new series we're going to be running during the season this year. It's called Trench Talk, as you might expect it's about the offensive and defensive lines, but also just getting Jordan's opinions on on the game because Jordan's fun guy and I appreciate his insight. Uh, Jordan, welcome to the first episode. How are you doing today? And I tell you what, it's always a good feeling on a victory Monday. I'm feeling pretty good. It's still Monday morning out here on the West Coast, so I can still say that. Um, no, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Happy to talk to you. Obviously, you know I love talking about the line of scrimmage, so uh, a lot to talk about, too, from 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 week one. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that this team is going to keep us very busy on this show week to week. Uh, I think there will be plenty of content uh, to talk about with the offensive and defensive lines. But guys, it's a fun series, I'm sure. I know you guys have been clamoring for more sort of uh, talk about the offensive and defensive lines. And, and no one better, I think, uh, in our crew than Jordan Watkins, uh, who we will let him sort of introduce himself and all that here in just a second. Before we do, before you know, because I want to give him plenty of time without being pushed up against an ad read, we're going to go ahead and thank our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Football is back, folks, and BetOnline is your number one information source for all your sports wagering needs uh, in, and info with up-to-the-minute stats, news scores, and matchup breakdowns. You can get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And guys, you know, <clears throat> they have a lot of Falcons futures and things like that as well. I believe Atlanta's, I think they're technically home underdogs against the Packers next week. I think it's like a one-point underdog the last time I checked. Mm. So if you're if you're feeling really spicy and, and you think they're going to keep this winning thing going, you know, that could be one to target. Uh, I'd probably stay away from the passing game props uh, if I were you. That would be my <laughs> suggestion. Uh, but hey, you know, if you like to live dangerously, you know, whatever. But yeah, Tyler Tyler Algier anytime TD also seems like a good one to me. But you know, hey, whatever you decide to do, whatever you decide to bet on, if you decide to bet, make sure once again to check out the website betonline.ag. Use our promo code believe B L E A V. Get that fifty percent welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. All right. Jordan, he is once again at Big 75. Fella, Jordan has a fun and exciting history, a lot of time in the game. Uh, so, Jordan, tell the people uh, about about your, your past, how you got here, uh, and, and, you know, why you're the preeminent expert on all defensive nuts. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> oh, know no, what you're talking I, I about. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that expert part. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm keeping that one. Yeah, um, yeah. No, no, I'm initially from Atlanta. I uh, grew up there, came to school out here on the West Coast at Stanford. Uh, played football out here in the defensive line. You know, uh, some pretty good teams, to say the least. You know, uh, three Pac-12 championships, two Rose Bowl wins. We went to another one but lost to Michigan State. Uh, then, you know, after I was done in college, had a little bit of time working out for some NFL teams, actually made it to rookie minicamp with the Falcons back in 2017, uh, which was, you know, for those three days I was there, it was a, a, like a pinch-me-I'm-dreaming kind of moment, really. 
Um, but, you know, since then, I do a lot of sports broadcasting. I do some contributing to the Falcoholic as well when I can. You know, sometimes I do some talking trenches and things like that. I'll try to hop on podcasts whenever possible. And also, I've been actually doing some coaching now as of late, too, with some with a local high school out here uh, over in Oakland. And, of course, I primarily focus on what goes on at the line of scrimmage. Uh, so, no, it's it's been a bunch of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think it's it's definitely, you know, you're you were on a, a top college team playing in the Rose Bowl, all this stuff, make a rookie minicamp. That's just how hard it is to get in the NFL. And I think you're a perfect example of that, like really good college player. It, it's so hard, like and people need to understand, like once you get to the NFL, everybody's great. Like and so, you know, just. Keep that in mind, guys, that like <laughs> there's so many good players that like and that's why I think they really need a developmental league, too. And I'm, I hope that the XFL continues mm-hmm. to to blow up It's because, you know, I I don't know. I don't I wouldn't bet against you, Jordan. So, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's it's so funny sometimes. You know, so my old teammates will play basketball or flag football leagues, whatever the case may be. And you can just tell who was like a recent former athlete and who wasn't and so you know to your point it's just I mean obviously the NFL is the best of the best when it comes to football and, and even you know, I, I see a lot of people talk about this in basketball but it's so true with football you know they say the guy on the end of the bench and in the NBA can still go to your local gym and put up 70 at ease oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and you know football football is, is very much so the same way yeah, exactly. So you know, people put respect on these guys, uh, especially right. like the practice squad guys, the rookie minicamp guys. Oh, if yeah. you get a call and you get even a, a, a like a pinky into the NFL, you're like best of the best one percent type players. So congratulations on that, Jordan. It's a big accomplishment. Thank I mean, no matter how you slice it. So, um, and obviously, storied college career too. I'm sure playing at USC was fun. Getting uh, you know high profile team there. So, uh, but yeah, uh, no. You were USC, right? Not Stanford. Am I? I was at me? Stanford, but we did okay, play in USC. Me. Yeah, so no, that was I, that was all. Yeah, yeah. No, that's where I'm getting the USC from. Yeah. Was, uh, you said USC and Stanford, and I got the mix up in my brain. Stanford is Jordan Walker. There you go. No more. No more. Must, this is week. This is the first show, so we got to you know iron out the kinks now. But um, yeah, Jordan, well, I appreciate you making the time. I think it's gonna be a fun series. Looking forward to it. Um, yeah. Well. I talked at length about the game yesterday on the post game show, but we haven't heard your thoughts at all. So I figured this would be a good time to just get your sort of general takeaways before we dive into sort of specifically the trenches. But uh, what, what do you, what do you, how do you feel? Falcons get that, that season opening win for the first time since God, what 2017. So I know, I know when I saw that stat about them not having a winning record in over 2000 days, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Why do we put ourselves through this? Stop but... the clock. Stop the count. We <laughs> yeah, got it. Exactly. Stop <laughs> it. We get the point. We get the point. We're good. Uh, but no, I mean, first and foremost, it's always good to get a win, especially in the division as you know, the cliche division wins count as double, but I do like the fact that you could tell and sense those second half adjustments, right? I think that, even defensively, there were some big run plays early on in the game by Carolina. And I think, you know, with everything that we put into the defensive line, all the free agent acquisitions, wasn't really the happiest to see that, you know. Um, and, of course, offensively, it was fun just to see the run game really get going. You know, I think Tyler Algier is really, funny enough, is the one that really sparked it. Uh, early, I mean, later on in that first quarter, had those two back-to-back big runs. I actually was just watching it back, and I loved what I saw across the board blocking-wise. 
Um, some really good blocks there by Matthew Bergeron, which, you know, was really fun to see. I thought Drew Dahlman, for the most part, pretty clean game. I know, you know, uh, Chris Lindstrom had a little bit of troubles there. Now, Derek Brown is a phenomenal, phenomenal interior defensive lineman. And then, of course, well, you know, I don't I don't have to beat the drum about Caleb McGarry and, and going up against Brian Burns. Uh, but, you know, overall, you saw even with some of those struggles, they had some different ways to neutralize them a little bit more in that second half. And, yeah, I, I, it just felt like as the game went on, it, things got much and much sharper. More, They got more and more sharp. And, and of course, that's what you want to see. Yeah, exactly. And I, I agree with you there that the second half was, you know, I've, I've had a lot of, you know, and don't do this, fans. This is the loser mentality. But a lot of fans that go back, you know, to my, like, first half tweets where it's like oh this is ugly this is ugly. and then like today <laughs> like monday when we're recording this people are like oh well, you were wrong it's like i, I tweeted that out of the first half like it, right. did you see my like 75 other tweets after that that were more positive so you know it things can change like people like it, it does happen like teams good teams make adjustments at the half and the falcons absolutely did that completely shut down the panthers uh, more or less after halftime and particularly in the fourth quarter which is nice to see because that oh, was yeah. a, a problem quarter for them last year and that's one of my big things I'm going to harp on, which is that last year they were a bad team in two quarters, the first quarter and the fourth quarter. You can't be bad in both the first exactly. and the fourth quarter. You can exactly. get away with the second and third sometimes, but well, they, they were actually quite good in the second and third quarter last year, but they they started slow and they finished poorly typically last year. And this year they, they continue to start slow, but they did finish strong, like really strong. Mm-hmm. So if they can keep that going, and, and that was something with Desmond Ritter, that was always a thing in college for him, was that when it got to crunch time, end of half, end of game, that's when he played his best football. And I think we saw that, you know, there weren't a lot of great passes in this one, but that one, that throw to Kyle Pitts was dead on, right where Pitts could get it, perfect throw. Um, I know people are like, oh, Pitts had to go up and get it. Yeah, like he's going to have to go up and get it sometimes. Like that's why you draft Kyle Pitts. And he absolutely did, made a great play. Um, and I think that's what you hang your hat on is like when Ritter needed to make a crunch, like a, a key play to seal the game, he absolutely came through and did that. That gives me a lot of hope going forward in a game that it was just sloppy. Like it was just really sloppy yeah. all around. And both teams were like that. So you look around the NFL, it's everywhere. Everyone was sloppy for the most part. The Eagles struggled against the Patriots who are definitely a, a very inferior team. That offense looked like it was stuck in the mud. The Bengals scored three points against the Browns. I mean, you know, the, the Seahawks looked awful against the Rams, who were starting, like, what, seven rookies on, on defense. So, like, um, don't, you know, this is just a, a reminder before we dive into the nitty-gritty on this one that week one is pretty much always an outlier when you look back at the rest of the season. Uh, so don't get too entrenched on any takes after week one. Obviously, I'm going to be buying that the Falcons are going 17-0 and and get entrenched on that. No, But uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> other than that, uh, you know, it, it, it's... Uh, it's nice to get a win, obviously, in a week that is so highly variable because you could take that to the bank. Uh, now that you got that dub, you can't take it away. Uh, so now going forward, it's sort of like wipe the slate clean. Let's see what you look like after this because it's whether they had won or lost, you do the same thing. It's like, well, it's week one. We'll see what happens. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, to your point, I'm so happy you brought up some of the other teams that struggled because a lot of those teams, again, are either playoff teams last year or projected playoff teams this year and I mean when I looked across the league and there maybe have been some other teams and if I'm missing them you know that that's my bad but only two teams looked like they were supposed to be those dudes right obviously Dallas with that big time shutout against New York and then the 49ers against uh Pittsburgh but besides that everything else was a little shaky here and there 
Yeah, and that's just how it goes in week one sometimes. Uh, it, it's really like an extended preseason because a lot of these teams, they just don't want to put their players out there in the preseason to get hurt. Um, and, it, and sometimes even when you do, like the Steelers, it doesn't go well. You know, and Still obviously going... Yeah. Obviously, going against 49ers defense is a tall order, but there was so much hype for that Steelers offense coming out mm-hmm. of preseason where they sort of rolled over everyone. It didn't matter a whole hill of beans when they got up against a good defense. So, um, you know, just that's that's my takeaway always is week one, treat it with a, a little bit of caution. Uh, don't, don't throw anyone under the bus or celebrate too much after week one. But it is nice on that note to have the week one dub. And uh, to to have finally broken those streaks, the season opening streak and the winning record mm-hmm. streak, uh, so we got that off our backs now, and I think we can go forward hopefully with uh, feeling a little bit lighter and a little bit more. Let's let's go get this done, and just not having the negativity of oh same old Falcons they blew another one. Right. Uh, so that's what I'm most happy about is that we don't have to go into another week two already down zero and one. So. Um, yeah, well, Jordan, do you want to you want to start on the offensive line or defensive line with this one? Oh man, uh, you know every everyone's always about the offense. I'm I'm all about the defense. That that's yeah. you know that's just that's I mean, my heart I, is. I love scouting defensive line. I I hate scouting offensive let's line. Do it. Just, you watch so let's many damn it. snaps, but <laughs> yeah, let's do defensive <laughs> line. So yeah, I mean, I I think this was definitely the stronger of the two overall. Early in the game, shaky pass rush not really happening, but like yeah. like we said. Late in the game, they made some adjustments, and they really started to come together for these guys uh, later in the game. So, yeah, I mean, who would be, like, your sort of player of the game on the defensive line? I mean, there's there's definitely a couple of guys, I think, that are in contention. Yeah, player of the game, you know, the way I look at it, I I think, you know, David Onyemata had a phenomenal game. I believe he had six tackles. Grady Jarrett was right behind him with three. And I'd say it goes between one of them, and then, of course, I'm going to be a Grady Jarrett guy by default. Uh, and, and I think it really started, and, and I want to bring up this play because, yes, Grady made a huge part of it, but also it kind of gave you the picture of what this front as a whole could be. Obviously, earlier on in the game, and I remember I was sitting here on my couch, and I, I actually got mad. It was a fourth and one, and the fact that uh, Frank Wright kept the offense out, they're going to go for it. It's like, oh, you messed up. You should have taken the points. I, I, I almost got offended as if I was on the Falcons defense thinking that they could get that fourth and one. Yeah. And elite you know, fourth down just, defense. Like, I mean, in the preseason, exactly. did they not watch? Did they not watch? I mean, I mean, yeah, like, come on now. But I mean, it, it was just like, again, we talked about it. You added all that beef, all, all of that experience and, and talent up front. And just, if you p- take a picture of what you want a fourth and one to look like up front, that was exactly it. You had, uh, you know, they started off with the a gaps open, which usually you're thinking, uh, why are you doing that? You see, again, the quickness of Grady. He gets inside, closes off that gap. All right, cool. If you're the running back. You want to bounce to the right? Well, you can't do that because Calais Campbell completely took, uh, I believe it's Moten, uh, down almost to the A gap. Look on the other side. Onyemana's not letting anything happen. Bud Dupree's taking the tight end. There's literally no cutback or bounce lanes anywhere to go. And then, of course, as a fast defense, which Falcons really should be and have improved on getting towards this year, everybody else swarmed to the football. It was it was just textbook fourth and one defense, and again it all started because of who we all know as the leader of this defense, ninety seven Grady Jarrett. So I just yeah. thought that that kind of set the tone of what this defense again wanted to be and could be, especially up front when it comes to stopping the run. Yeah, no, that is a great play to highlight because again, absolutely critical play took points off the board for the Panthers essentially, uh, and it's exactly how you draw it up. It was it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you see. 
Grady Jarrett's not lost a step. I mean, he covered like no. two gaps in an instant, shut down that run lane faster than the the back could even process it. So he ends up running into his offensive lineman trying to cut, and it, it's too late. Like in, in that short yardage, if it's played right, like you have to make your decision almost when you get the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's why I, I love what they did with leaving the a gaps open. It's because it it's like a false a false lane. It's like, okay, exactly. well, these, these a gaps are open. They're probably going to move someone over, but I think I can get there in time. And that's the trap is like, Oh, you can't. Yeah. We got Grady Jarrett and David mm-hmm. on Good luck with that. So, um, no, I agree. Yeah. But with you, I mean, I was going to give the love to Grady Jarrett also, but since you did, I'll go with David on because I think they both go. that, how long has it been since we've had a dynamic duo in the middle? Yes. Like I can't remember. I mean, maybe Dontari Poe that, that first year he was here was quite good. Um, and I love Dontari Poe, but I, I think David Onyemata has the potential to be better. Um, and exactly as advertised, everything you could want. I believe Onyemata has the second highest uh, PFF grade on the team um, with an 89.8 for that game. Obviously, uh, Jesse Bates, you know, a little bit higher. Jesse Bates, yeah, 94.5. I, I yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Jesse Bates Jesse Bates gets the MVP. No no question there. But defensive player of the game, I think David Onyemata, Grady Jarrett, I think they're, they're certainly in, in contention. Uh, both had a great game. More of the questions I think about this unit were on were with the edge group, and we did see quite a rotation. Um, you know, we saw Clay's Campbell a lot. I think he played 51 snaps, which I think is the most of any of the edge guys. Uh, we also saw Bud Dupree as the other starter. Um, and that was a little, you know, it, it wasn't as good as I think some were hoping from both of those guys. I don't think either of them played poorly, but it wasn't flashy. And then, of course, we saw some, you know, Lorenzo Carter mixed in. We saw some Arnold Epicady mixed in. Um, but what what did you think? And Zach Harrison, too, played played a decent amount. It was good to see him active. Uh, what did you think about the performance of the edge group overall? Yeah, I mean, I think you you said it best where it's wasn't as what we would would have hoped, I guess. And again, this this is the fun part about this, right? The Falcons have expectations. So you know, we're not even saying this in terms of they play poorly, to your point. This is, we spent so much, you know, everyone is, at least in-house, uh, believes so much, and they're putting out that confidence that you expect big things to happen. And, you know, there were a couple of good plays I did see. I, I love some of the stunts and games that Ryan Nielsen draws up. There was one, I believe, Lorenzo Carter came off the edge, uh, looped around to the middle, got a sack on Bryce Young. Uh, you know, the thing for me is the, as much as I do love guys like Calais and, and, you know, some of the other bigger bodies that we brought in, you know, I think that you're going to start seeing more and more when we get to pass rush situations, you'll see Calais move inside a bit. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. again, still with his strength and the, it's making a shorter distance, that's going to be some packages where it's really going to work out the best. And, and then on the edge, you know, I obviously, as you, you've heard me talk about before, I have been really big on Arnold Evacati and wanting to see his growth here in year two. So I, I you know, I, I want to see some more speed guys went off the edge yeah, uh, because yeah. I think what's, what's fun. And I saw this a good bit more in the second half where you had some of those guys inside, even the rotational guys, right. Whether it's Saquon Graham coming in, uh, I saw Albert Huggins out there a little bit. They might not be your one-on-one winners inside, but they can collapse that pocket. You know, like I saw, and I saw that a good bit where again, that maybe that final move wasn't there yet that pocket is going to be pushed. So obviously naturally, especially, you know, we're playing a team like Bryce with Bryce Young, the smaller quarterback, probably going to have to try to move around, try to bounce out the pocket to get some more, you know, get some vision. And that's where I, you know, I need those edge guys to be. So 
you know, I, I did see some good things out of it, but I think in some of these one-on-one situations would like to see a little bit more, some more wins on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And it was always going to be like, I, I think what we talked about before the season was that the floor of the unit is a lot higher. And I think that yes. really showed up late in the game where it was like, they were starting to get home because the offense was getting a little bit tired. The pressure was going up. So these guys were able to start getting home. And like, honestly, like they, what two third down sacks or something like that in the, in the the last two quarter, like that is when you need the pass rush to get home is on third down. And they absolutely, absolutely. came correct. Like, I mean, and they, they didn't really get a lot of rush before that. But in those crunch moments where they absolutely had to have it, they did get it done um, and it looked good. So if they can, if they, this might not be a pass rush that's putting up crazy pressure numbers and crazy sacks overall, but if they're good enough to get it done in in crunch time, that's all you really need to be a good defense. Now to be a great defense, you got to, you know, watch the Dallas game from last night, right? Or or Sunday night, you know, if you want to see what that can look like, I don't think they're going to be scratching that level. But I think the floor is so much higher that all of these guys are capable pass rushers. They're not, you know, we just talked up the guys in the practice squad. They're, they're good players, but they're not, you know, in terms of NFL relativity, right? Sure. These guys are all like starting caliber NFL edge rushers, sort of top to bottom. Whereas last year it was like they had one or two and then it was, you know, more of the depth guys behind them. So um, I think the, the level of pass rush overall is higher. It's not high but it's more like average and i think especially if the, if the defense can do its job on early downs and get them into some favorable situations this is a pass rush that will be able to put pressure on and hopefully we'll be able to take advantage of some of the weaker offensive lines they're going to face unlike in, in years past where it's just sort of been a wash no matter who they played yeah exactly i mean i'm, I'm looking at some of the uh some of the the numbers here so yeah definitely three sacks he had 20 hurries and five quarterback hits, which, again, I love the fact that we can talk about this in a, in a sense of, yeah, that was good, but we need a little <laughs> bit more. That, like, I mean, you tell if, if you were to tell me in a game that we had three sacks last year, I think we all would have been jumping for joy, saying, yeah. "Oh my goodness, this would is have the been best one of their best games." Yeah, yeah. yeah exa- exactly. <laughs> so, again, just to keep that context, and I think the other side of it too, which, again, is a, 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 such a refreshing sense from you know years past especially recently the secondary is just also a lot better so of course that's going to help out that rush get home a little bit more because you're going to have to hold it you're going to have to pad it a couple of times um you know because now i think we put it on tape if you see jesse bates in the middle of the field you might want to think a time or two just about you know attacking there especially if you're a younger guy i mean the falcons are going to play another pretty relatively young quarterback next week no, not as young, obviously, as Bryce Young, but Jordan right. Love, who hasn't had very much, at least on field, playing experience. So it could be another thing. You might want to stare down some guys. Um, I know, I believe, was it uh, that one receiver that came uh, was a little dinged up going into the game this week? So we'll see yeah, how Romeo he looks. Dobbs or but, yeah, 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 Romeo Dobbs. So, um, you know, we, we'll, we'll just have to see from that standpoint. But again, I think it's going to be another situation where you have a younger guy you know, it's going to be staring down some things. It might be easier to take away that read number one. And if you do that little extra second, half a second is all some of these guys up front are going to need. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And we, we can make time to talk about Jesse Bates. Like, I think we can, like, it, I think so. How, how, I mean, I've never seen a free agent pay off that intense in just the first action, just like absolutely earned his contract in week one. Like, I mean, that was one of the best, 
performances by a safety I've seen in years. I mean, two picks, both of which were absolutely earned also. This wasn't like it's bobbled up in the air and he just catches it. No, no, no. This is like instincts, reading the quarterback, shutting it down picks. Uh, The highest level picks you can have. And then a forced fumble, which was really like if you watch it, he just sort of just like pokes it out like it's like he doesn't even like slap it it's like it's like a needle he just like precisely sort of just sticks his hand in there just bam and like it you know another turnover and then seven tackles as well which tied the team lead so like all over the place uh i mean i can't say enough nice things about jesse bates what what do you what do you think about that signing so far are you happy oh i mean i was ecstatic (laughs) when we first made it and i'm only even more ecstatic now i didn't think it was going to be possible for me to be even happier about it than when it happened but I mean, like you said, week one, um, man, you, I mean, you talk about knocking it out the park. I mean, let's just say hypothetically down the road, if, if the Falcons really can do something and become a team with the core that they have, I might want to look at this as his uh, Fred McGriff moment. And so, of course, if, you, if you're not a baseball fan, not sure what I'm referencing, you know, the Braves signed Fred McGriff. That was the day that Fulton County Stadium, the press box caught on fire. And I believe that first night, though, when they had the game is when he hit the home run. Of course, the rest is history with the Braves um, and, and their postseason success. So who knows? Maybe uh, that is his his like Fred McGriff welcome to Atlanta moment, which would be awesome. But you saw it all. The leadership, the tape study, the instincts that you mentioned, and then, of course, the ball skills. Uh, a lot of what he did, you can't teach. And, man, it, just, it feels good to have that uh, that that eraser. Uh, of mistakes in that back end yeah no it's phenomenal it's exactly what we were hoping for and exactly what we were talking about all offseason like that eraser like you said in the secondary to erase mistakes and and take and create takeaways it can cover up a lot it can cover up a lot of problems it can change your fortunes drastically which is exactly what happened in week one like the carolina panthers outgained the falcons in terms of yardage um They ran more plays, they had more rushing yards, which is crazy, uh, and they scored 10 points because they turned the ball over three times. Um, and you can't do that, obviously. You can't turn the ball over three times, but, um, you know, the Falcons, to their credit, what was the other side of it? And this is probably a good way to transition over to the offensive side. Unless, is there anyone else you wanted to touch on in the defensive line? Oh, no, I think I think, you know, for the most part, we hit on everyone. And again, like I said, it's it's obviously and we'll talk about this more, too, when we when we transition uh, to the offensive side. But defenses are usually going to be ahead of the offense in terms of where they are as a unit and gelling together early on in the season. It's also why I, I like to laugh a lot during training camp when some of those first reports come out, the first few practices. Oh, the defense looked great today. and The offense, it's, it's supposed to. You know, yeah. if, you're, if your yeah. offense is, is is doing damage early on, I have questions more about uh, what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah. No, yeah. I, before we do transition, I do want to mention the run defense because that, that was, sure. I think, the biggest issue. And, again, this is the run defense. I think people don't realize it's usually the last thing to come together for the defense because it requires everyone to be in such a precise position. You have to know your gaps. You have to be disciplined. You, you know, so it really run defense is a total team effort. Whereas pass defense, it, it is still a team effort, but a lot of times, you know, you get that one-on-one on the outside or whatever. It's more depending on those, you know, players making plays. Whereas run defense, it really requires everyone to be on the same page, running the same play, doing 
doing what they need to do. And that's how you get elite run defenses. So I'm not surprised that the run defense wasn't great out the gate, but Falcons do allow 154 yards on the ground. Uh, so, you know, just saying that that's not great, obviously, uh, 4.8 yards per carry, but they didn't let that affect the game, really. Um, and part of that obviously had to do with the turnovers, but while the Panthers did pile up the rushing yards, they didn't let that really affect the game. And I think some of a lot of the rushing yards came, you know, in, late in the game when the Falcons were sort of like, yeah, go ahead and run if you want. That's fine. We're going to put our four down linemen and have our linebackers, you know, 10 yards back. And if you want to run the ball, you know what, go ahead. Um, but what did you think before we move on? What did you think about the run defense? Do you have any concerns there? Long term, I mean, Calais Campbell missed two tackles in this game, which is very uncharacteristic. I mean, um, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, it's, it's funny enough. I'm actually watching one of the uh, longer Chuba Hubbard runs as he asked me this, and I think one thing I was I was more surprised about was, and again to your point about everyone being on the same page, the amount of push that was being generated a lot, especially on the interior. Uh, I was not expecting that, uh, especially knowing how young and and I know they had a first time starter, I believe, at left guard too, kind of like how the Falcons did. But I again, it's it's just so hard of even if you don't make a, a tackle on a run, if you're a defensive lineman, one of your biggest jobs is to keep those linemen off of your linebackers so they can flow and scrape and, and attack those gaps easily. Well, your defensive lineman is sitting right in your lap of your linebacker. There is nowhere to scrape and flow and, and, and you make those things happen. And so I saw a good bit of that. And honestly, I saw a lot more of it than what I was anticipating. And so, you know, we'll see sometimes that it really is just a small technique thing, right? They're going to talk about hand placement. They're going to talk about, um, you know, maybe it's your eyes or are you looking at the backfield or are you looking at the person lined up right in front of you? You know, this is a first game. I understand where a lot of the jitters are and could be. But I think about, you know, what we saw from guys like Taquan Graham last year. You know, it, I, I, you know, you want to see, again, him at least neutralize that line mm -hmm. of scrimmage, if not create a new one in the backfield. Uh, of course, we know about Grady Jarrett, his hand placement. Oh, my goodness, I can make a teach tape yeah. about yeah. it time and time again. So, you know, it's there. Uh, for whatever reason, didn't see as much of it here in um, week one. But, again, I think a lot of things there that can be corrected and fixed. So, yeah. And, like. I, it does make me wonder, you know, Timmy Horn was a surprise cut. They're the guy that clearly won nose tackle. And they basically elected to go without a nose tackle. Now, David Onyemata has played it before. He's more of that penetration style nose and he's, he's good at it. Don't get me wrong. But mm -hmm. I, I do wonder if they consider going, like bringing Timmy Horn back and getting that true nose because I, I me personally, I'd rather save Onyemata's snaps for, more high high touch situations or let him play some three tech and get a get a bigger nose tackle out there and I wonder if that's something they will consider going forward. I don't know that they need to make drastic changes after week one. But um you know and maybe they thought like, oh it's the Panthers. I don't we don't think their run game's gonna be that great. We don't need to elevate horn. But I think with a team like the Packers where you know they're gonna try to, to pound the rock, I wonder if we do see Horn brought up next week. Yeah, we'll we'll see. And I mean I guess it also goes to show it gives us a better glimpse or look to potentially as to what exactly Ryan Nielsen wants to do yeah. right now. Of course, if you want to play more your head up base defense, one gap here, or there, then yeah, you might want to bring a bigger guy on, but just like how he highlighted, you know, with the fourth down stop, if your thing is going to be more penetration slants and movements, then yeah, maybe those lighter, smaller guys will work out there. And, and now that you've been in a game setting, you have a better feel for it. And maybe they, they do some more movement. 
on on the line of scrimmage next week. You know, who, who knows? But I think it all kind of goes hand in hand with each other. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're all expecting things to get tightened up, too. Like, I, I think Calais Campbell yeah. having, like, a mediocre game as a run defender, missing two tackles, that that's not likely to Absolutely. repeat itself. This is one of the Absolutely. best run defenders. Uh, I don't think he had a bad game by any stretch, but um, this is not a guy who typically misses tackles. So two missed tackles in week one, that might be all he has all season. So <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, moving over to the offensive side, I think that was the shakier of the two units for sure. Um, mostly in pass protection, though. I mean, I think if you look at the run blocking, the Falcons actually... Pretty much every offensive lineman graded out well in run blocking, except, uh, strangely, uh, Matthew Bergeron. I didn't notice any problems with his run blocking on tape, but I wasn't watching it that closely. But this is PFF, you know, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But <laughs> this is my, like, cheat sheet because I haven't had a chance to rewatch the full game yet. But, um, yeah, so you, you look at the run blocking, it's good. Drew Dahlman, Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, K- even Caleb Gary. Caleb Gary actually had the highest run blocking grade. So at least he, he gives you that. Like, don't worry about that, but... Um, Bergeron's the only one with a below average run blocking grade. Everyone else is in the seventies. The issues came in pass pro, uh, where we still had good grades from Drew Dahlman, but, and, and actually Matthew Bergeron finished as the highest graded pass yeah. blocker with an 83.9, which I didn't notice him getting beat. So that, that checks out. I, I'll give, I'll give, you know, good, good job on that one. PFF. But, um, <laughs> I mean, the big issue obviously I think was, was Caleb McGarry's play. As a pass protector, like we said, still a good run blocker, but y- you know more about this than I do. What what do you think was the biggest issue there, why he was struggling so much with Brian Burns in this one? Well, the, the, I mean, I got to give credit where credit's due. The biggest reason why he struggles is because it's Brian Burns. Yeah, Brian, I mean, that was <laughs> you know? maybe his best game, um, like, of his career, Brian it, Burns. It's just yeah. so crazy because of, think of the timing of it and how this all has been unfolding um, this offseason with the Panthers. I mean, you didn't even know for sure he was going to pro- play this week. Yeah. Um, I know he practiced, I think, two or three times, but this still doesn't have the contract. Well, what better way to say, hey, this is why you need to pay me than go out there and, and really affect the game, especially in that first half. Um, but one thing I think now you saw he did a lot of uh, he would, you know, he did a good job getting leverage, dipping his shoulder. I saw, you know, using a couple of chops. And yeah, I think it's just one of those things where sometimes when you go against a speed rusher like that, you, it can be a little frantic. It, it rushes up and speeds up the clock of that offensive of an offensive tackle. And so, I think that you know, uh, from some of the plays that I've seen, like I said, I'm I'm still in the process of watching it back. But we'll see how he uh, how Caleb McGarry ch- transitions going into week two. Because again, I think that one thing is interesting. We talked about who the Falcons have, especially on the edge. You don't have a speed rusher like a Brian Burns. You have some guys who can, ru- who can who can definitely do it, but nothing like Brian Burns. And so yeah. for the most part, for someone like Caleb McGarry, that's the first time you really see somebody like that all year. You know, you don't you didn't really yeah. go up against it much in, in training camp. So yeah. again, so a little welcome to the season moment. Um, but of course, and this is no knock on Caleb, we knew coming into it, the big thing with him is he's a really good run blocker. It's not necessarily pass pro. So uh, again, I don't think you'll see a performance like this from him very often. Yeah. Uh, and again, sometimes you do you have to chalk it up to in the NFL, everyone's good, but sometimes you see have people that are even better. And yeah. and Brian Burns, as we've seen, is in that category. Yeah. 
No, you're, you're absolutely right. And like, I, I, I think people were really panicking and I was certainly burying him on Twitter. But, you know, my, my in-game Guilty. tweets are not, you know, that don't take those too seriously. That's just me like venting, you know, my anger uh, live. But um, you come to this show for the measured takes. OK, this is where you get the measured <laughs> stuff. Twitter is just for capital takes only like, you know, all caps takes. Um, but yeah, I mean, McGarry's always been a guy that struggled with speed and done really well against power. And I think that's just kind of who he is. We've seen it at this point, but typically he does well enough. Like last year was a turning point. I thought where he was just more consistent overall. And we even saw it in this game in the second half, he he settled down a bit and, and he wasn't getting annihilated in the same way as the first half. Um, it still was, was not great, but they were able to execute the offense a little bit better and it was getting a little bit more comfortable. And maybe some of that's just week one jitters. Like you said, mm-hmm. you know, adjusting to, I mean, the, that's, that's one issue with the Falcons. They don't have that guy. They don't have an elite pass rusher on the outside to test these tackles in camp. So it's kind of trial by fire once you get out there. Um, and that's exactly what happened. So we'll hope that gets cleaned up. But as long as he, as long as they keep bulldozing uh, on the right side there, uh, then, then people, you know, he'll be getting his money. We'll get getting our money's worth. If he keeps being one of the NFL's best uh, run blocking tackles. Um, you know, we talked about it before the show, but kind of a puzzling, grade for Chris Lindstrom by PFF with the 16.7 pass blocking yeah. grade, which I think is extremely uh, harsh. I mean, he did get beaten by Derek Brown, I believe, for one sack, um, but I don't think he played worse than Caleb McCary, certainly. What did what did you think about uh, Lindstrom's performance? Yeah, I mean, to my knowledge, I think he only gave up that one sack, and maybe outside of that, I'm trying to remember exact, like a specific pressure um, that he gave up and nothing really coming to mind off of that. So pretty interesting that they gave him that grade. And again, like I said, I got to give credit to Derek Brown, who I think is a really good player. I know a little while back I wanted him in Atlanta. Uh, but yeah, you saw how violent he can be in that run game. Yeah. Uh, talking about talking about Derek Brown again, like I said, I, I love to give credit where it's due. It's not just, it's not always just a, uh, this person was bad and this person is good or what it's like, no, people can be good. And then that day that person's just a little better in certain reps. So um, again, what we've seen from Chris Lindstrom, I don't expect his performance to be like this much, much more. Um, I, I really do think that again, he, he's now built that reputation of, you know, being a guy, but also here's the thing too uh, about reputations. And of course he just got a big payday. The defense also knows you just got that payday. It really is a thing of you you do gear up when you're playing the best of the best. And I think that that's going to be something, even though he already was a good player before he got paid, that's why he got paid. But once you have that price tag on it, there's that there's that sense of competition for whoever lines up on you. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. this is going to be the X amount million dollar a year guy. I'm, I'm going to get, you know, step up my game. So that means I get paid mm-hmm. down the road too. So I think that's something he's going to see all year. And yeah. but again, like I said, with Chris Lindstrom, I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, I, like I said, I should give a lot of credit to Derek Brown and how he played. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Derek Brown's kind of been Chris Lindstrom's kryptonite, honestly. Like, I yeah. think Derek Brown's really one of the only guys that gives him issues, and Derek Brown's just damn good. So, like, yes, um, you know, it's it's strength on strength, it's it's you know, iron sharpens iron. I, I think Lindstrom's going to continue to learn a lot from that matchup. So, will Derek Brown, and that's that's going to be one of those marquee matchups every single time those two teams play. Um, I do want to shout out Drew Dahlman, who I think was 
one of the bigger quite like i think the two question marks were left guard and of mm-hmm. course and then drew dahlman um you know i was advocating for the team going out and getting a premier center uh potentially if they weren't sold on dahlman it seems like they're 100 percent sold on dahlman and maybe they were right to do so because dahlman played very well no issues no botch snaps seems like the protections overall were better i mean the panthers were getting some some success on blitzes but some of that had to do with some blown you know pass protection Bijan, you know welcome to the nfl uh, yeah, man. <laughs> that was a bad one, mm-hmm. but I mean, it wasn't like he was out of position. He just was not ready for that guy. Uh, right. But, you know, I, I shout out to Drew Dahlman. Like, I think he did a great job overall. I didn't see really anything that I had an issue with by Dahlman. Did you also have a positive view of how he played in this one? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the thing for me, what I love about the Falcons, what I've, I've noticed, uh, you know, throughout the years, especially in going into this year, when they believe in you, they they sell out all in on it, right? Obviously, we've seen we've seen it with Desmond Ritter. Even when they brought in Taylor Heineken, they said, "Look, we're just letting you know you're coming in to be his backup. It's not a competition, you know. It's it's that's what it is." And so, I know Drew Dahlman was a very controversial talking point, you know, from last year even through the off season. But you never really heard or saw or sensed from the Falcons, at least in my opinion, that there was going to be any other option or possibility. So. I know that that helps him out. And then, of course, you have a whole year now of experience under your belt, not even just from a physical standpoint, but you you probably play outside of the quarterback, the one position on the field, at least offensively, where you have to know what everybody on the field is doing. Yep. And I think that, again, with the continuity, at least that he has Chris Lindstrom, I think being young is actually going to help out Matthew Bergeron because he was just there a year ago. And, uh, no, I was, I was overall impressed with, with what Drew did. And, you know, I guess for me, you know, being a Stanford guy, I wasn't overly shocked. Uh, you know, I watched Drew out here, obviously in college. Um, and I know what he's capable of. And so I think he's settled in, like I said, he's comfortable. He knows that he's going to be the guy and, and you just go forward with it. Yeah, no, I, I, I've been impressed and, you know, I, I certainly am, am happy with Drew Dahlman's development. I think that, the coaching staff has shown all the faith in him and I, it seems like they were right to do so because he was one of the guys that I think is uh, the, the least concerning based on week one so far. So, hey, you take those dubs. And speaking of dubs, yeah. Matthew Bergeron, uh, this is a game where the offensive line struggled, but really Bergeron did not. Uh, Bergeron was one of the two guys. I, I mean, and obviously, I think uh, Jake Matthews didn't really have any issues either, but, you know, Bergeron, I think, acquitted himself very well for his first NFL start. Um, and I know some people were just like having these nightmarish visions of Matthew Bergeron being body swapped with Jalen Mayfield. Pour one out for Jalen Mayfield. <laughs> the little spider, um, Spider-Man meme. Yeah, yeah. You know, but didn't happen. And Bergeron, I think, didn't give up a sack. I don't think he gave up any pressures either. Uh, I thought he actually run blocked well. PFF didn't seem to like his run blocking, but you know, we, 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 we disagree with PFS assessment there, but what'd you think about the rookie making his first start out there? Man, I tell you what, and I, and I thought this too, going back, looking at some, uh, preseason tape, dude's vicious. I love it. I, I, like I said, I was talking to, I was watching that, uh, the, I think it was the second Tyler Algier long run of those two back to back. And I tell you what, he gets his hands on you. And if you're going to play with a high pad level, you might be for a good five, six yard ride. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that that was really impressive in, in start number one. And I know he had the ability to play both tackle and guard in college, but then to see that transition to just guard, uh, I mean, 
I, it looks like that was going to be a slam dunk of a, of a, of a hit in the draft for the Falcons. And it's pretty cool. You know, I I'm sure you've seen it. Maybe others have too. There was that video of the Cowboys in their, um, their draft room and they were really stuck yeah. on, on either getting him or, or getting the D lineman out of Michigan. And again, that's, that's back in the first round. You think about where the Falcons got him. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, very fortunate to do so. And you know, like I said, I, it looks like, that's going to be a pick uh, that that's going to, that's just another, another home run up front. Yeah, I think so. And watching with the senior bowl, he played 20, 30 snaps at, at guard first time ever playing guard. Uh, and like, this is, this is a guy that has never let that face him. Like literally came straight from Canadian high school football to Syracuse and started day one uh, for a power five offense uh, yeah. and never looked back, you know? Um, so Bergeron, uh, has, has always been a guy that's been a quick learner, quick study, not phased by a transition, not phased by a, a higher level of competition. And I think he's shown that thus far. Uh, and, you know, excited for my, my fellow Orangeman, you know, let's go. Uh, there you so, go. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's uh, great to see that, of course. And yeah, I mean, otherwise don't really have any complaints about Jake Matthews play solid as always uh never really called his name which is what you want from your left tackle typically so um yeah i mean i think the pass pro obviously was a problem <laughs> a big problem i mean what's your level of concern going into to green bay because i think if anything it gets harder against green bay uh yeah i mean from a pass pro concern i to your point earlier i'm not someone that sounds the the, all the alarm bells, right, uh, after after week one. But, you know, I'll put it somewhere right around, I'd say like a, I'll just say like six, five and a half, six. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's just because I think there's some things, the reason why they were happening, it's probably just partially game one stuff, but also I think there are some things that you saw from people that I just don't expect very often. Um, and again, you know, I know like when you look at green Bay there, I mean, they have a lot of capable guys up front, you know, um, we'll, we'll see what happens, what they do. I know sometimes they'll send Quay Walker, uh, Rashawn Gary is going to be a problem on the outside, but again, phenomenal player. He's a different rusher than what Brian Burns is though. So that, you know, do with that as you will for anyone at home, you know, um, that's thinking about this, of course, Preston Smith, we've seen him be a disruptor. Uh, for years now, but overall, not too concerned. Again, yes, you'd like to see it a lot cleaner starting off, uh, but you know, I'm I'm not going to go too crazy about it. The one thing I will be interested to see going forward, and it's not even necessarily just pass pro. This is in the run too, as we were complimenting Drew Dalman, and I'm not saying I'm concerned. I just want to see what this looks like when you play someone that's more of a three-four front, and there's that nose right up front of you. Um, how things go. I uh, still think he's going to be fine, but I know, of course, we saw a good sometimes last year, size right in his face. Um, it was a little bit of a of a problem at times. So, yeah, if he can continue on with what he did the week one and clean that up going to the next week, I'm going to feel pretty solid. Yeah, no, that that's fair. And I think, you know, you look at that, that Green Bay defense, looks very talented, especially up front, you know, with Rashawn Gary, Devontae Wyatt. I'm sure Georgia fans know who that is. Um mm -hmm. You know, Kenny Clark is still there. Preston yep. Smith uh, comes back to be that uh, that other edge rusher. And then they got the two great corners. You know, I think the the safety group is a little bit 
sketchy. And then Quay Walker, it's like, can he take that next step? Because uh, last year it was it was not super great, but I think he I think he played well against the Bears in that uh, uh, this year. But I I haven't watched that game yet. But and then old former Falcon Devondre Campbell still there, still kicking. So um, you know this this was a defense that was I think pretty good against the pass, but struggled a lot against the run. So we'll see, you know, that, that if you can't stop the run against this Falcons team, that can be <laughs> a big problem. Um, Definitely. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, but uh, you know, just sort of gently going over to the Packers game. What do you think about the, the defense? You know, the Falcons, we've seen this Falcons defense look pretty good, you know, against the Carolina Panthers here. Uh, how do you feel about the defensive line matching up with that? Uh, Packers offensive line, which definitely has some guys on it, has some new faces too. But how how are you uh, feeling about that matchup? Yeah, you know it's uh it's going to be interesting. Obviously, I love watching David Bakhtiari whenever he's been healthy. You know, he's been one of the best left tackles in the game now for a while. So good to see him on the field. Um, but like you said, there's still some places I think where they can be had up front, and so. You know, again, let, if you, whoever's lining up over Batiari, you know, bring bring your lunch pail because this is going to be a day over there. But honestly, I see this game. In order to beat the Packers, I feel like it's the same thing you talk about with the with the Falcons. If you can't stop the run, you're going to be in for a long day because that that stable with Dylan and of course Aaron Jones uh, is is one of the best out there, and they do it in different ways, right? Obviously, Aaron Jones a much better receiver. AJ Dillon, you know, such as the game goes on, you get worn down. They're going to bring in his his bruising style of, of rushing attack. But again, I think the thing that works for the Falcons is the ability now to rotate guys up front. So maybe you're not as tired later on in the game. So I think they're going to be okay on that end. But I think the other thing too, in order to stop the run, it would help if we can get off to a little bit faster start offensively, just to get them behind and maybe they have not abandoned the run, but you get away from it a little bit more than maybe what they'd want to. Um, so, you know, just to, just to help them out just a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting because like, well, I have Aaron Jones on my fantasy team in like almost all my leagues and I was very yeah. happy with his output, but you look at it, the actual rushing production for green Bay was like very low. Like uh, it Jones only had nine attempts for 41 yards, which is very efficient, but AJ Dillon had 13 carries for 19 yards against the Bears, who were one of the NFL's worst defenses last year. Um, so I I don't know what's going on with that exactly. Um, but you know, I'm I'm still terrified of Aaron Jones, but AJ Dillon, you know, I I'm wondering, you know, maybe we'll we'll do okay there. But um, yeah, it, it's gonna be a tough matchup either way. I think definitely I would expect Jordan Love and that passing game to be a little bit further along than the Panthers are. At, we'll have to see the status of, you know, we mentioned Romeo Dubes are Dobbs, I can never remember which one it is. It's yeah, Dobbs. It's, it's Dobbs. Yeah. Dubs, Dobbs, whatever. Um, you know, he's obviously still banged up, had a good game though this week. Christian Watson completely open ended whether he'll play. Uh, and I think Jaden Reed also got hurt. So who was their wide receiver three? So, you know, we'll have to monitor the injury report there, but I this is not a lopsided game necessarily, but it's also like who knows what week one means. I mean the the Packers put up 38 on the Bears, uh, who looked like they were completely outclassed. So, you know, is it the Bears being the Bears, or is it the Packers are actually really good? You know, what can the Falcons do? We got all week to figure it out. Uh, hopefully we'll have a better idea going into this weekend. But, uh, yeah, Jordan, good first show here. Appreciate you. Uh, any any final takes before we wrap this one up? 
yeah, first off, thanks again for for having me on. Looking forward to doing this every week. And yeah, it's, it's cool. I know, like I said, I, I was doing some of the more the taping style with Talking Trenches, right? But now the fact that we're actually talking, I, you see I'm using my hands and, yep, and yep. all this. This, this. this is awesome. And, and no, I, I love what I love to do. So thanks again. Um, and of course, the cliche in football, the biggest improvements that you make are from week one to week two. So again, with both of these these groups up front, um, I really do think you're going to see some improvement. Again, it's the first game for a lot of them in terms of defensively doing what Ryan Nielsen really wants and expects, whether it's certain, again, stunts, games, things like that. So you'll see improvement there. Offensively, again, O-line, they just need time to continue to gel. That's always a big thing. I know even for us, uh, the last Rose Bowl we went to in 2015, you know, when Christian McCaffrey went crazy uh, over Iowa, uh, her, he's still pretty good. Yeah, but, he's still um, kicking around, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I think yeah. so. Might, might have a couple more years in, in this league. Yeah, a few more. Uh, but, <laughs> but um, you know, even that year, and that was a pretty newish O-line in terms of all playing together, talented. Everybody was like, you know, I think we had one three-star, a couple fours, maybe a five on a two. But it didn't really gel until, I'd say, the middle of the season. It just took time. You yeah. Know? Um, and I think, you know, you and I, we had talked before, uh on a previous show of don't panic if everything doesn't look like this and everything's not hitting in week one that's all right so um you know obviously like i said as we start started this show off um you know good to get a win always better to be bad or not as you'd want in a win over that in a loss so yeah um and then yeah drake london cal pitts we still love you and we will see more of you soon too yes yes don't freak out about drake london like, don't do it. Like, yeah. I've seen a bunch of fantasy heads. Like, he's just a wide receiver three now. Like, you know, for fantasy, you can't play him. Like, stop. That's Please the hard stop. part. Get about some help. Was. Get some help. I know. I know. <laughs> that's, that's the hard thing for me sometimes. It's like you see yeah. so many people try to analyze what's going on in a game based off yeah. what you're doing for fantasy. And it's, it's just, this is not the case. I mean, I can see somebody a running back who doesn't have a good running game but that doesn't mean they played a bad game you know like it's, it's yes. just so many things to it so yes. yeah never never try to analyze what's going on in football based off just what your fantasy team did or didn't do it's a little bit more nuanced and complicated than that but no like as we saw we saw the talent of Cal Pitts, what he can do yeah. when it matters and we've seen we saw the connection when it really gets down to it all the last four games of Drake London and Desmond Ritter so yeah you know it's the first time Desmond Ritter's been the starting quarterback week one in the NFL. Now the nerves will settle down. We'll be good. Yeah. No, it's Drake London's still going to finish with the most targets on this team. I'm very confident of that. Maybe, maybe Bijan actually beats him out just because the safety valve uh, and he's right. you know, another top 10 pick. But I think Drake London is going to finish with the most targets on this team. And I don't think week one is week one is not changing my opinions on the Falcons offense in any measurable way. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't really change your opinion. Like, are you going to abandon Joe Burrow and the Bengals now? Because they had a bad <laughs> week one. I'll, I'll take Joe Burrow off your hands for a seventh, you know, for, for, for nothing. If you, if you want to bail on that guy, um, trade him, but trade him, trade him. He's a bust. <laughs> exactly. Well, we just paid yeah, him and he had his worst game. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah. So just relax guys uh, for the fantasy heads, you know, Love you guys. I play fantasy too, but simmer down. You, you guys know yeah. better than to overreact to week one, and you still do it every year, every year. Um, but there's nothing else to talk about, so I get it. You got to have those, those spicy takes out there. But 
Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to our first episode of Trench Talk here on the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. He is Jordan Watkins at Big 75. Fella, Jordan, anything you're working on you'd like to let the people know about? Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, got a couple games I'll be calling here soon. I think maybe field hockey next week down at Stanford, nice. which will be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, of course, like I said, just been um, been coaching and also, you know, started this own uh, podcast called Falcon Fade, doing that through a stadium rant. So oh, nice. Clint Goss yeah. and I, he was a big Falcons fan. He was actually at the game yesterday. Nice. Uh, you know, we try to get a show out every single week. We'll recap, we'll preview the next game coming up. So yeah, check it out. Yeah, guys, if you like these takes, Jordan's got his own his own pod now. So definitely hit that one up. Check that out as well. Uh, guys, Kevin Knight, FL Call. Kevin here. Make sure you like and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, leave us that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Leave a comment. All those things help us out. Really appreciate that. Uh, if you're interested in supporting the show, you can do so by joining our Patreons, patreon.com slash Live. You can join the community Discord if you want to hang out and chat with everyone. Um, I think that's everything other than to tell you that today's show was brought to you by bet online. Uh, and yeah, guys, we really appreciate everyone for tuning in today. We will see you next time. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday night for the next Falcoholic live until then. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good one. And we'll see you next time, folks.